Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 7th, 2021, the third Sunday in Lent. Uh, so we are, are, are knee deep in Lent now, Bruce. <laughs> so yes. how are you doing so far in, in, in your this Lenten uh, uh, observance? Oh, slogging through the ashes and the hot cross buns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to figure out if that is that an indication of of what your observation this Lent is. Like, uh, what, what's I'm trying to no. figure out. Like, man, what is I just he grabbed possibly two doing? Handy Lenten images and mm-hmm. put them in the sentence together. <laughs> uh, slog carefully. Hopefully, you're doing it. Um, um, slogging. Um, through one and not the other so much i mean how do you slog well actually i've not gotten to taylor's bakery to get some hot cross buns yet uh, so I, I hope i remember to do that when i have a chance later this week yeah yeah yeah. um uh how do you did you come up with a lenten observation uh for this year not really no <laughs> i i'm with you I, I i hadn't really either um uh my 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 decision was to you know continue to do this thing with you uh so i'm sticking with it (laughs) yeah and um yeah in in all seriousness we've sort of been lenten uh for a year now yeah so i i figured trying to do too much more might just make me skip a gear or something (laughs) yeah no i'm hey i'm with you and i i think that's a good thing uh for people to hear because yeah it, it does feel like uh maybe this year um, giving up one more thing maybe is not the, the best idea. Uh, but I think we've said in, in years past, uh, uh, nothing about the Lenten observation is a requirement to give up kind of like a, right. um, um, uh, to, to withdraw something. Sometimes it's, a, it's an additive. Uh, and I tinkered around with the, the idea of doing an, an addition as well. It's just, uh, yeah, since the whole, We've had 365 days, unfortunately, of, uh, yeah, kind of a Lenten observation already. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of, uh, kind of under that, that edict. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't eaten in a restaurant or anything in all that time. And, you know, so, and, and that's one of the things sometimes, uh, Kath and I will give up for Lent is, mm-hmm. um, eating more simply and stuff, but we, we've been doing that. <laughs> Yeah. Cook, yeah. You know, yeah, we should cook at home more. I don't think we can cook anymore at home than we do. Yeah, exactly. I do. <laughs> Unless we added second breakfast, you know. <laughs> right, right. Very hobbit hobbit of you. Um yes. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's uh so but the the uh as far as uh, church opportunities in Lent, they're they're continuing to be ongoing. Uh we we're still yeah. having those walks uh on saturdays um yeah and we're doing those so actually we have taken on things right um so yeah we have the saturday walks very enjoyable i've heard Um, really good things i'm usually working on the church service at that point in time so unfortunately it's more my family who uh, is enjoying them than than me so far uh but uh but uh heard lots of good things uh yeah and the we've only you know the wednesday evening time together via zoom with mm-hmm. different topics each week those have been good so yeah that's it's now that i think about it, yeah i'm doing a lot of stuff for lent. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah 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 uh whether you like it or not lent, lent creeps up on you and and uh insists upon itself <laughs> well and if, if you want to learn a, 
a good way to make pretzels, which some people yes. see as a, a Lenten thing. The videos, the video from the first program, Wednesday evening program, is will be on the website for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And it is a very simple and, I am told, delicious pretzel recipe. Many people have tried it and give it rave reviews and say it's the easiest homemade pretzel they've ever done. Hmm. I am one for pretzel bread. Uh, that is... That is uh, definitely speaking to my heart and my gut. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so so uh, those opportunities continue. Uh, feel free to uh, uh, check out our, our uh, website, uh, uh, holyfamilyfishers.org, uh, for all those options. There's there's a there's a litany of things going on um, on the calendar. So um, uh, find something that uh, that works for you. Oh, um, yeah. And also, I forget, forgot to mention the Sunday morning adult forum, which is at 10 a.m. following the live stream um, Facebook watch party, has also been amazing. Mm -hmm. The conversations going on about Lenten pilgrimages, well, pilgrimages in our life, mm. um, have really been moving. Interesting. And people can join anytime. Every week is a fresh start. Very cool. Very cool. Good plug, good plug. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> well, uh, let's move into our person of the day, and I will. The clue that I will give you uh, for this person is no, not that one. <laughs> so okay, that's a long list in Christian right? history, but right, right. Let us proceed. Uh, so your person today is David. Okay, so not David of the Hebrew Scriptures, I presume. Correct. So I was literally intrigued because the the entry just says David, and I thought to myself, "Well, that's odd." Uh, uh, I mean, usually we don't on this website, the Episcopal Dictionary of the Church. There's not so much, too many references to. Uh, characters in the Bible because the stories uh, of the Bible themselves kind of uh, kind of explain who they are and yeah. what happened to them. So for the most part, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, the characters of the Bible are largely are are kind of left out. Um, um, so I looked uh, to see <clears throat> uh, what this one was and was surprised to see that it was no, not that one. Is it? <laughs> But is it another king? No. Uh, well, um, let me double check and re-double re check. Uh, no. Okay, then it's not the one I'm thinking of. So I'm going to have to, yet again, surrender with nary a guess. Surrender. 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 Um, I... Lenten thing. <laughs> surrender. <laughs> surrender to Lent. That's what I've given um... up for Lent, getting any of these persons of the day. <laughs> How brave of you! How brave! Um, uh, so, so uh, it's uh, uh, the 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 uh, uh, information next to David is uh, DC six hundred one, um, a saint and founder of monasteries. Uh, although little is known about David, he remains one of the most popular British saints. He became the bishop of Minerva in Southwest Wales and was also the abbot of a monastery in Minerva, which practiced an extreme form of monasticism in the tradition of Antony of Egypt. 
which I did a little side uh, uh, look up on that. Uh, an interesting, a very interesting tradition uh, could have a, like a whole, whole little side podcast on the tradition tradition of uh, Antony of Egypt. Uh, legend claims this is where I, I got hooked. Legend claims <laughs> that he was consecrated uh, the metropolitan. Man, I'm even Metropolitan. Metropolitan Archbishop of Wales by the Bishop of Jerusalem. It is certain that during the time of the invasions of the Angles, the Saxons, uh, and Jutes, a pocket of Britons retained the Christian faith in Wales. David was one of them. He is the patron saint of Wales, and David is commemorated on the Episcopal calendar of the church year on today, March 1st, as we record this. Oh... So if I just opened my calendar first thing this morning, I would have seen it. <laughs> you would have, but here's so here's the interesting story about me picking this though. I knew none of that while researching for this until I'd already decided to pick him for today, and that was the last thing oh. on the entry. So I found this entry and decided, like, how cool, David, no last name, not that David. Uh, uh, um, a, yeah, you a, had it all rolling in your mind already. Yeah, already these really cool, interesting facts about this person. I was like, yeah, I'm picking this guy, and he's commemorated uh, uh, as of the date that we're recording this this podcast. So um, I kind of had to. There was there was no option once I hit the end. Yeah, and actually, I was what I was going to guess was a king of Wales. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I did have Wales right. Interesting. But it okay. was a Christian leader rather than a political leader of Wales. Yeah, I mean, as as far as this entry says, uh, he no indication that he was a king. No, he um, was not. He was not. I was completely okay. wrong on that. Okay. I think I was combining him with King Edward. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Another saint. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the uh, um, now uh, I, I I will say the the like I said, there, there's a lot of interesting information about the tradition of Antony of Egypt. Uh, and um, I think they're rightly using the correct language here when it says he practiced an extreme form <laughs> of monasticism uh, in, in in that tradition. Uh, it, it's uh, I, I, yeah, we won't. I won't. Uh, we could go forever on. on they were literally. big into being hermits, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, um, yeah. They were, they were not happy friars making beer. <laughs> yes. No, they were, they were certainly not. Um, uh, um, yeah, very, very much uh, uh, with a, a withdrawn approach. Uh, yeah. Withdraw from people, withdraw Living from in food, caves and, withdraw yeah. from uh, sleep. Uh, like it, 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 uh, it, it's very, uh, I, I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine going through this, this kind of monastic tradition, um, um, uh, bread, salt, and water being your sole diet. Um, it, it just, I, yeah, yeah. It's it a little, a little, a little intense, but uh, but yes. a, a lot of really interesting information uh, about that uh, about that tradition, and mm-hmm. and it, interestingly enough, some some um, some of the writings from that tradition though come come to some interesting conclusions, uh, some interesting points. Um, the way that they that uh, Anthony came to the conclusions might be extreme, but there there were some 
some interesting uh, points of view. So that, that's that's my tease to for for everybody to go out and 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 maybe do a little bit of research on your own. Um, well, well, and I okay. I'll knowing that we have no presuming we have mature listeners. Um, I, years ago, when I was first ordained, and pe- we were at some clergy day that was talking about monasticism, uh, uh, someone who was probably around my age now, so I thought was ancient, mm-hmm. um, so I was 25, said, you know, the reason why monasticism took off was that's how you got rid of your unpleasant parishioners. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, you know, the people today we have to put up with the priest would just pull him aside and say, you know, I think you're called to a monastic life. Yeah, and <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> send them off to the desert. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, and I've never read that anywhere. Um, but it's one of those things now, you know, ever since I've sort of wondered, if, uh, maybe that's, you know, what's the chicken and the egg here? People who are drawn to an extreme... Uh, sort of extreme Christianity lifestyle, sort of like an extreme adventure show today. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're kind of encouraged to go out there <laughs> by Christians who are tired of their "we're not doing enough for Lent" <laughs> type of perspective. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, there's always a human element in church yeah. history that we we that the farther back we go, the harder it is to capture. So uh, if you're out there and someone tells you uh, is, is beginning the suggestion of perhaps you should look into a monastery or a nunnery, uh, question <laughs> question them, their motives. Get a second opinion. Get a second opinion first. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I would consider about the uh, get thee to a nunnery, right? Um, Though in Shakespeare, that actually re- referred to a house of prostitution. You know, there you go. Uh, yeah. Learn something People new. People are learning so much today, aren't they? <laughs> I really, really am. Uh, interesting. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> it, it was sort of a purposeful pun during Shakespeare's time. Interesting. I guess I don't I don't think I knew that. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, information you thought you would not learn on this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this podcast um of course i guess i, I wasn't i wasn't much of a, a, a shakespeare a, a study uh, perhaps people already knew that mm-hmm. um, um i just knew the famous phrase yeah um well uh let us get the to a a uh, a reading here from the old testament um and uh, our, our first reading today comes from um um Actually, hold on. Uh, computer doesn't want to respond real quick. Hold on. Um, uh, it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17. Apologies for the, uh, the, the hiccup there. And it reads this way. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. I, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of, their, of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But show, showing steadfast love to the thousandth 
generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days are you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male, or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So uh, a fairly familiar uh, writing in here in the Ten Commandments, right? Right. Um, uh, and... Uh, much against the uh, uh, potential misremembering of our own. They're not labeled here, you know, right. number one. <laughs> um, but this is, this, is, uh, the, the, this is the list, right? This is, these are the ten. Um, and what about... One of the things that strikes me as I read this is uh, how strange the... Um, how strange the uh, language is in chapter five about God being a jealous God and punishing children for the inequity of parents to the third and fourth generation who reject me, but alternatively throwing, you know, showing steadfast love for people who, who do love me and keep my commandments. And that doesn't really jive with um, the, the loving and caring God that we kind of come to hear about in later passages in the new testament the you know um i, I think of uh first corinthians chapter 13 the the love chapter where everything mm -hmm. is about love uh as opposed to um the the punishing god so right here we kind of have that uh that traditional old testament uh angry um yeah and god that, imagery this is one of the reasons why that stereotype is held so strong in american christianity is that sadly for a lot of american christians this is the only part of the hebrew scriptures they know mm -hmm. um yeah and they they might be familiar with noah and the ark wallpaper but in terms of actual verses the ten commandments you know people say okay i know the ten commandments i'm done with everything before jesus and what's interesting is that the ten commandments First of all, we're never told, called that within the scripture. Mm -hmm. But also, they are commented on many, many times in the script in the Hebrew scriptures. And we can actually see uh, uh, different perspectives on them. And one of those, you may remember, we talked about, I think in the fall, um, passage from Jeremiah, where basically this... Um, description of god is overturned hmm. where, where god says i will no longer hold to earlier generations the sins of the fathers um so you know by by the time jeremiah came along 
it was clearly something that people were going, yeah, eh, that's not how God works. Um, So there's a lot of, so taking into account the commentaries, so to speak, that have been produced about the Ten Commandments before, I mean, just within the Hebrew Scriptures, it looks like that the the Ten Commandments are, like many early passages of the Hebrew Scriptures, a response or a message to the surrounding pagan religions. And mm. here, to, to limit the number of generations that are punished was actually unusual. That in the other Middle Eastern religions, you, you could be cursed for all time. Your, your lineage. Interesting. Okay. So this is actually pointing, despite the, the way it's written, it's actually kind of pointing pointing out like, he's this God is nicer than exactly you would you would anticipate. Yeah. Because huh. I mean, yeah, yeah. My, modern reader would sit there and go like, you would punish children for, you know, decisions that the, the parent makes? How terrible. How terrible of you. <laughs> right. And... The other thing to keep in mind is that the the counter, a lot of the Hebrew scriptures are countering in the early stories, the practices of children's sacrifice. Mm. And that's one of the things that the Hebrew scriptures come down without ambiguity is you can never sacrifice a child. I mean, literally kill them in the name of religion. Gotcha. So that that also ties into this of well these these children are getting off easy compared to Baal and the other religions around here. Hmm. Yeah. That no. That's yeah. That's true. So I'm I was just trying to do a, a, a count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So making for yourself an idol and bowing down to worship that idol are separate um, commandments according to our count. Correct? I believe. Um, I have to admit, I'm not completely sure. I think well, that's one in, in part because there's, there's you know, on the, the watercolor art type level of um, 20th century Christianity everyone says oh yeah those are the ten commandments but if you actually look at the ten commandments in exodus and deuteronomy it it, there have been different interpretations Mm. about how to divide them up into ten because there is quite a bit of wiggle room so to speak like like you said um between the there are some that combine four and five and there are some that keep them separate and remember the versification came centuries after this was written down right right and so that that was an editorial decision by uh, people who are adding the chapter and verse numbers to make it easier to talk about yeah um and and i think um admittedly uh, on this list all good things like if you if you actually do adhere to these ten commandments you're pro- you're in pretty good shape. Um, I, 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 what's interesting about it is I think it does kind of stand the test of time, right? I mean, um, um, these are good habits, whether you're Christian or not. 
I yeah. think it's fair to say, right? Uh, and if you if you uh, follow along here, uh, and and parents especially are very happy to see their their own commandment in there as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, children's status is raised by right? them not being cursed forever, and um, the the parents get a shout out too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, keep your hands to your own things. Yes. <laughs> is a, uh, um, although it, it, it is interesting, uh, that these are all, uh, so, so there's, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the 10 are things that you shall not do. And really only, uh, two of them are, one of them's kind of do do this. Uh, the other one is honoring your father and mother. There's, there's a kind of, I suppose a, an implication of not, not to honor not them. honor them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, everything is, everything is very, uh, very, uh, uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Which is, which is kind of carried over into a modern narrative and why some people have, uh, um, um, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of, of uh, generalized dislike about uh, um, uh, faith and structured organized religion because it does feel like this is how uh, how we're viewed. We're the we're the group of people who say you you don't do this and don't do that. Um, and it'd be interesting to me to kind of see like a more of a revised version or an updated version of this, where instead of saying things you shouldn't do, uh, for example, like shall not cover your neighbor's house, covet your neighbor's house. That could very easily be, you know, Hey, share. Yeah. <laughs> Rather, you know, uh, cause, uh, um, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's structured in a way of like telling you what not to do, but there should really be some, a little bit more language. I think this is my critic critique of, uh, of, of God's Ten Commandments, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, a little bit more structure on. Uh, uh, hey, encourage you to do this. You know, love, love your neighbor. Don't bear false witness against them. Uh, um, don't, don't steal. Share. Um, uh, don't murder. You know, uh, uh, love each other and and show patience and grace. Um, yeah, and that that does happen more. Well, no, it happens, I was going to say, more in Deuteronomy, but mm -hmm. it even happens in Exodus. Again, you know, we're pulling this out of context. And right. so in the verses surrounding it in Exodus, and even more so in Deuteronomy, there are those positive things. Mm. And in um, Christ's words, there's the thing, there's the passage of, you know, you've heard, do not murder, but, you know, if, if you hate someone, you're basically doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's still kind of negative, mm -hmm. but it is, I think in that case, Jesus is trying to remind people, hey, if, if you'd really studied this, you would know that it's supposed to shift your attitude towards the people around you. That's not just, okay, I didn't murder my neighbor today, so it was a good day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, it's more. Didn't of, murder anybody. Yeah. Check. You know, I, I, I rolled this trash can up to his garage because I knew, knew that. He was under the weather today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now it's a good day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
So, and I mean, like I said before, it's it's a very well-known passage. Is there anything that you would like to point out uh, about it before we... Just, just a fun fact. Okay, um, yes, please. The Sabbath day mm-hmm. that in um, the surrounding religions, the 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th of, month, of a lunar month, mm-hmm. which were all the seventh day, uh, so... In this case, so in the Hebrew scripture context, the Sabbath, those were the days you had to be careful because evil spirits would be about, would be out and about. And so here it's turning that on its head and saying, this is God's day. This, this day does not belong to evil spirits. It belongs to God. And Hmm. the way you honor that is by not treating it just like any other day. But you know, take it easy a bit, and and so what's ha- what happens is that in this and one of the things we have to keep in mind is even though we don't hear about them too often in the accounts, we now know from archaeology most of these were very um, mixed societies that mm-hmm. people of different religions were literally living next door to each other. So while the Jewish people would be honoring the one true God by taking a day of prayer and study and, and rest mm-hmm. the, their neighbors would be doing the same thing out of fear that if they left their homes, they'd be devoured by an evil spirit. Interesting. So, so in a way, this is a, I mean, this would be like a, a, a good sign for people like, Oh, you telling me I don't go outside and get devoured by an evil spirit and stay inside and remember the Sabbath day. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> done (laughs) and it it, it's what happens so many times through the scriptures and before and after of um judaism and christianity interacting very sensitively really with the surrounding cultures so Mm -hmm. that it helps the community stay together even if they're even if they are from different faiths huh interesting very very interesting um Well, let's move on then to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved by... Sorry, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Um, this is Paul. Right. And uh, he's weaving kind of a tapestry of thought process here. Um, what what is What is going on here? Because you can kind of like read these words a little bit and like, okay, part of that makes sense, but 
you know, I, I, at least for me, as I've read, as I just read that, I got a little lost as to what his point was. Uh, <laughs> as I sometimes often do with what happens Paul. with Paul. <laughs> yeah, because he he uses uh, maybe maybe the 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 Greek side of him uh, waxes poetic too much. Uh, but the, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is here. Uh, um, but. Uh, I just get a little lost along the path. So, so help, help break this down for me if you could. Okay. Um, basically what Paul is talking about is our preconceptions. Mm -hmm. So within the Jewish tradition, there are these fantastic signs from God mm -hmm. of, um, you know, big special effects like the giving of the Ten Commandments with fire and smoke at the top of Mount Sinai and Moses not visible until he, he exits the smoke. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, so they're, they're used to, a, well, I won't say they're used to, there's a tradition that when God has something big to say, there's no mistaking it. Gotcha. And so part of what Paul's trying to talk about here to people who are Jewish in the among the recipients of this letter is that yeah that's what you've expected but the sign was so subtle here that it's easy to overlook that you know, in a sense the, the it would not have been unreasonable for a faithful Jewish person to expect something that, that when Jesus was resurrected, it wouldn't just be sleepy guards and Mary Magdalene as the witnesses. It would have been, you know, the stone blasting out in smoke and flame mm -hmm. and Jesus coming out on Elijah's chariot or something like that. Mm -hmm. And instead it was Jesus walking through the garden and um, Mary Magdalene thinking he was the gardener. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so it, it, it's not surprising that the contemporary Jews with the time of the resurrection were, that doesn't look like a God thing to us. And then with the Greeks, they were so into philosophical discussion that, a that in a sense they wanted a mathematical proof that Jesus was the Messiah, was the Son of God. Hmm. And Paul's saying, no, that, that's not what this is about. This isn't about god it's, this isn't about humans figuring out god this is about god gifting humans with a revelation that you accept or you don't there so the, there's a there's a matter of faith to be had here and it's not necessarily going to make you know logical wisdom-based sense yeah and yeah. yeah totally upsets their expectations Hmm. Um, one of the things that uh, I th I've, there's two ways to translate in verse 23 um, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles stumbling block can also be translated as scandal and I yeah. think that's the better translation huh. be um, because frankly this is the anti-Semitic translation where gotcha. it's like yeah Jews are going to hell they, they're tripping over this stumbling block whereas really what it's about is the scandal 
which is in the context of this part of the letter, it keeps coming through the scandal of Jesus being arrested by the Romans, tortured by the Romans, killed by the Romans, buried by the Romans. And that is, that is a scandal that a religious leader, let alone um, whether someone was using the term prophet or Messiah or son of God or whatever to have happened to a person like that, to a figure like that, that's scandalous. Mm -hmm. Um, And to Greeks, that doesn't make any sense at all. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you should win. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so in other words, he's kind of, uh, um, he's kind of bridging the gap uh, uh, here and probably intentionally between the Jewish people and the Greek people. Yeah. Uh, and saying, um, "Hey, you're you're going to be you. <laughs> you should be united in being a little confused by this story, um, and that's a, but it, that that it's okay because you both mm-hmm. are looking for something that doesn't exist here, and uh, join <laughs> join me figuratively on this journey um, as we as we find a new." Um, new way to look at this and, and, and a new way to understand uh, God as a result. Yeah, and, and really a new way to understand human life. Mm-hmm. That's It's not all about, it's not trying to make yourself the smartest or the holiest. It's instead accepting from God the gifts of wisdom and faithfulness. Right. Well, and I, and, and I would I would think that uh, uh, what the other factor that's going on here is he's he's trying to he's coming from a, a place where it would be potentially assumed that he is on the side of uh, on of one or the other, right? Right. And so well, and yeah, especially in Corinth, which within that early church community had lots of conflicts among subgroups within the congregation. Right. So he's he's trying to make it so that he is additionally making clear, look, I'm not coming at it from um, uh, one side or the other Uh, for the Gentiles thinking that I'm coming from the Jewish uh, perspective and that I'm telling you that they have it right and you have it wrong. That's not what we're talking. You know, that's not correct. And for the, 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 the Jewish people, uh, who think that I maybe the same thing or, or maybe uh, either the same thing or or the opposite. Let me also point out that uh, not only do you, you know, have it incorrect, but so do they. And so I'm not I'm not really taking sides here. Right. Uh, one or the other. So both of you, please listen to me. Yeah. And and he goes on to make this even more universal um, with verse 25, the, the concluding verse of this passage for the Sunday for God's foolish foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength that universalizes it then for whatever claim a Christian may make that they are better than someone else Mm. Mm -hmm. that that God's always wiser even if we think God's doing stupid stuff, mm-hmm. nope, God's still wiser. And that we may think that, you know, our workout routine has made us the 
strongest spiritual being out there it's like no even god on god's worst day is stronger than you spiritually Mm. and you know in greek philosophy and religion there were stories of humans almost becoming gods through their own efforts oh okay so that's not an insignificant teaching to to the greeks to the corinthians Hmm. Yeah, and it's not an insignificant teaching to us today where we have so many branches or traditions within Christianity of, yeah, they don't say it this way, but yeah, you can earn your way to heaven. Got it. Yeah. And certainly you can tell someone else they're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> you need to do yeah. more spiritual setups. Your core is not strong enough. <laughs> uh interesting very interesting um anything else before we move over to the Um, gospel reading i was thinking there was but i'm not remembering what it was now i've 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 become extremely foolish in this moment (laughs) (laughs) so let's move on very good very good uh so the gospel reading today is from john chapter 2 verse 13 through 22 The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, The temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Um... So the tale of the money changers uh, occurs in several. Two? It occurs in all of them. Uh, does it occur in all of them? Okay, okay. Um, uh, so um, I, I feel like that portion of the story is pretty uh, widely covered. Uh, let me ask. <laughs> let me just first ask it though. If if there's is there any information in John's account that is unique? Um, uh, uh, as opposed to the other three. Yes. Okay. Major, major, major one is that the other three have it as the primary reason that Jesus is arrested. Oh, okay. It, it comes at the end of his public ministry. In John, it's how Jesus establishes, it's one of the steps of Jesus establishing his authority on earth. Mm-hmm. in that he literally reclaims the temple for God. And it's it's only in the second chapter of the Gospel of John, and John's a, the longest of the Gospels. So it's very, very early days. Um, okay. He's just done the um, miracle of turning water into wine. He, um, according to John, he then stays a few days in... Um, 
Capernaum with his brothers and his mother and then heads to Jerusalem for the Passover. And in John, mm. he goes, I believe it's three times to Jerusalem. That's why we, why in John, he definitely has a public ministry of three years. In Mark, it's implied by counting up the holy days and such, the Jewish holy days and stuff. That's one year. Um, so, oh, okay. yeah, so this is Jesus claiming the temple for God and Jesus's place in it. And he gets away with it. There are no hmm. repercussions in John for him cleansing the temple. Hmm. And it's implied that it stays nice and ethical right until he's arrested. Hmm. He doesn't have to go back and remind people, no, 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 I told you not to do that. <laughs> I was here last year. Yeah. <laughs> you all didn't listen to me. <laughs> So guess what? It's happening again. <laughs> oh, man! We just fixed that table. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's Jesus. <laughs> not again. Um, and the whip is not mentioned in the other Gospels. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of wondering about that because I, 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 as I read that, I was like, wait, he made a whip? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that. I remember overturning tables and... The livestock uh, uh, being, you know, run out. Uh, well, as actually, well as the in the other creatures. Gospels, the, the sheep and cattle are not mentioned either. Uh, I guess that's true. That's, I guess that's well, true. Well, I don't expect you to know that, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it talks about well, I'm, pigeons. I, I, was, and, I was looking at another one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it talks about you know, more the, the, the birds uh, for sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, then, so... Um, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Um, and that kind of really is the, as far as the the, the standard um, talking point about uh, um, this exchange is is uh, that the, the, the storyline is that the money changers and everybody were, were profiting off of people coming to the to the temple uh, to worship God. They were there there to sell them. Um, admittedly utensils for um for the sacrifice uh in in that you know the the um the the sac sacrificial animals that you would need uh or, or or would normally bring so so what what is it about this process that's so i mean uh, isn't that helpful <laughs> well, yeah it's interesting to think about it that the the sacrifices, say, for a child being born at Thanksgiving, um, there were rules in, in the Hebrew scriptures about what was the proper offering. And sacrifice and offering is the same word. Mm -hmm. um, what was the proper offering to God to make at the temple? And the intent, intent of it was to bring it from home, that it really would be meaningful to have your own pilgrimage to the temple and go to the effort of keeping the pigeon alive for the day's journey, um, mm -hmm. you know, mo perhaps multiple days journey to the temple. And by allowing people to sell pigeons right there at the entry, it was, I was going to say, that's not the right term. It was um, undermining the, the point of the pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. That right. you know, the sim symbolism of caring for this pigeon as you took it from like Nazareth to Jerusalem 
was in part to symbolize how you were agreeing to care for this child, this newborn child. Hmm. And if instead you just, you know, saunter into Jerusalem, pick up a pigeon as you go through the door for uh, denarii or whatever, and walk in, drop it off and finish your day at the temple, you know, that, that takes away the religious practices. And that each step of those practices was supposed to deepen your relationship with God. Hmm. It's sort of, you know, that'd be an offensive analogy. But I mean, there's so many ways Christians dumb down our rituals and simplify them right. to make them more accessible and all. Um, so that that's part of the concern. The money changing part's also interesting in that the temple would not, you know, the temple administrators would not accept currency that had false gods on it. Mm. Okay. And so that's why the money changers were there was because right, the Roman currency would was was not welcome there. Right. Yeah. Um and sometimes people had Egyptian or whatever. Um and almost all of them would have a god on it, a false mm -hmm. god, because that was part of what gave the current that would that would literally divinely empower that piece individual piece of currency for good luck. Hmm. So you know, this is a whole set of pagan rituals and beliefs around the non-Jewish currency. So having to have money changers there showed that there were a whole lot of Jewish people who really weren't caring about this, the pagan practices surrounding the currency they had jangling in their pockets. Right. Um, and so we're de facto supporting those practices rather than going the extra step of changing as soon as they got it, foreign currency into domestic currency, which would have been possible. You didn't, have, you know, money changers weren't just at the temple, but right. again, they could wait till the last minute and change just the exact amount they needed to make the money offering they needed to make and then go on with their day. Hmm. So it was, it was removing from the everyday the holy life that God asks us to live. Yeah. So, so it, yeah. So, so in other words, uh, the, this, this process, uh, kind of, as you pointed out, is, is cheapening the experience mm -hmm. of, of actual, uh, of actual, uh, prayer and sacrifice at the, at the temple. Um, and, and, and further kind of just making it more of a rote process. Right. Uh, you don't have to, be mindful about um, um, the, the the Roman practices, and it makes it kind of uh, implicitly makes it okay uh, as a result. And you don't have to really right. uh, uh, work hard or care or give up something of yourself uh, uh, when you do come to the temple. You can you can buy your 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 wares mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and buy your way into um, uh, your spirituality. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting case of at first, like on the surface of it, you're like, well, this is like removing some, some, you know, um, hindrances or some, some things that make, you know, worshiping at the temple harder for some people. Isn't this helpful? Right. Uh, isn't this, uh, is, why is, why would this be such a bad thing? I mean, what, doesn't this make 
it more accessible to more people and isn't that a good thing um um and it's interesting that it that it takes the i i wonder i wonder how this was though received necessarily like in it in early readings of the gospel writings would this have been as as a regular person reading this story early on after after it's been made available would this would the reader sit there and go like oh yeah jesus is clearly right here or would this have would, would they have been uh, maybe a little confused like we, we might be uh, today or a both. little bit more okay a little <laughs> both, both well and and one of the things to keep in mind is that the gospels were were not written down until the temple was gone okay and so so yeah so people who had experienced that form of worship with the temple um they easily easy to imagine them going well i didn't think there was anything so wrong with that it was really convenient i did that i did that all the time yeah (laughs) yeah um but for most people you know very very quickly people hearing reading this story out of the any any of the four gospels um would they would have needed some explaining about what was the significance of this Mm, okay and again in matthew mark and luke it's very evident that this was the last straw and Mm -hmm. of jesus's behavior and so the romans had to crucify him and so in that case the explanation's right there in john it's a little more mystical of Mm -hmm. jesus reclaiming the temple for god and driving out particularly the symbols of rome the mm. currency mm. Um, and the and the whip a lot of folks think is jesus making the whip is a sign that he's going to agree to be whipped uh three years on in mm. you know, very nearby mm. in a sense see because part of john's theology of the cross is that jesus went completely willingly to it there's no garden of gethsemane moment of doubt like in the synoptics Instead, uh, in John, Jesus is completely in control of the whole Holy Week events, well, his whole life. And so Jesus making a whip and saying, you know, you you could almost um, end the scene with him handing it to an usher and saying, you'll need this in three years. I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, With a sort of smug, confident look on his face. Um, So... Yeah, it, it depends really on which community would have been reading it for the first time, encountering it for the first time, as the as the gospels uh, spread throughout the Roman Empire, um, and and how familiar they were with the day in and day out practices of Jerusalem before it was destroyed by the Romans. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing to, to to point out here too is that the uh, John. It, a lot of times we, as readers, have a tendency to try to read additional things into um, what happens and what did Jesus know uh, yeah. and, and say intentionally. John gets the, here at the tail end, takes all the guesswork out of it so, uh, for us. Um, right. And again, this is at the very beginning of his gospel. Right. Uh, so he, he does point out that uh, Jesus says this thing. And it actually is an analogy for himself, and mm-hmm. uh, only only after the fact the the disciples realize 
have this realization of like, oh, that's right. Remember a couple of, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, he said this thing where we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now. Um, 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 which is, which, which is interesting because not always, uh, you know, not all, uh, Jesus often spoke in words that confused, uh, the disciples. That part's not, uh, yeah, that uncommon. one that one crops up in almost every gospel, if, if not every right. gospel. Right. Um, so, but yeah, in this in this case, uh, uh, John does uh, um, write that um, at, at the very least from the disciples' point of view, and I think uh, um, it it kind of holds up. This is probably what he meant. <laughs> yeah, and and that does occur many times in the Gospel of John, where. Jesus says something and it doesn't make sense until after the resurrection, which generally is true with every gospel, but in John it's more explicit. Yeah. He takes a little bit more care to, yeah. He'll add a few words to point out. Yeah. So, uh, anything, anything else about the, uh, the money changers story here? I recommend heartily reading the first two chapters of John in one sitting. It, it is heartily heartily heart, heartily not heart i hardly recommend no i got you yes i got you heartily. just want to make sure we were clear it, yeah it really the, those first two chapters set the complete stage for the rest of the gospel hmm. and hopefully okay. it'll, it'll keep drawing you in after that um but john's gospel is an odd bird it's very different from the other three and we'll be using it quite a bit um, through the rest of Lent and the Easter season. So it, it now's a good time to get familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some homework for you listeners at home. Uh, read the first two chapters. It should take, I don't know, five minutes? Yeah. It's not, they're not long. Yeah. It's not, it's not terrible. And you're likely um, be drawn further, but feel free to stop after two. No, no, I, 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 I disagree. <laughs> don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> Well, with that, uh, uh, we will end this, your podcast, uh, for March 7th, 2021, uh, the third Sunday in Lent. Uh, and uh, as, as I kind of pointed at the top, uh, uh, feel free to check out our website, hfvc.org or holyfamilyfishers.org, uh, to see what all we have going on. Uh, and, and join us on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos on YouTube, to uh, see all that has been put together. Especially the uh, worship. And- especially the worship and, and, uh, join us, uh, on, uh, either enjoy that on your own time or join us at a nine o'clock Facebook watch party. So, so visit our, our Facebook on page, Sundays. uh, on Sundays, uh, the, the nine, nine AM, uh, uh, worship together as we, as we watch the, uh, worship video. So, um, and until next week, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.